What is going on, New York Giant fans, Seahawk fans, whoever may be watching? Welcome back to a live edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Hit the like button if you haven't already. Sub up, share out, turn on notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Again, share this out. Also, this will be on podcast platforms uh, shortly thereafter the stream and all that sort of good stuff. So, uh, Shout out to anyone who's in the chat right now. I did see Shane's comment. I also did see Jose's comment. So, guys, I'm very pleased. Uh, give Jose a subscription on YouTube. So, we are going to uh, have a Seahawks guest at around 8:30, or at least that's the expected time. Uh, John P. Gilbert from Field Goals. You guys remember we had Mookie Alexander last year. He unfortunately could not make it on. So, prayers out to him. Shouts to him. Um, he's going through some stuff right now. But we got a Monday night football game to talk about. Uh, first thoughts, injury report, stat breakdown, things to look for, players to watch, top matchups, keys to win, score predictions, and obviously the discussion, of course. Shout-outs to Max in the chat and uh, anyone else who, of course, is popping in. Now, of course, uh, the segments may get a little discombobulated, maybe a little mixed around, depending on what time uh, John comes in and stuff like that, but it may or may not roll like a regular show. So with that being said, Let's get into first thoughts. Um, you know, I have been a little bit more down on this game since I picked them last Monday, um, which I believe was our last Boys and Big Apple podcast, and we were talking about the picks, and I said, um, you know, I'm going to pick the Giants, but Saquon Barkley is not going to play. I didn't really expect him to play. Andrew Thomas, and we'll get into the injury report, he's not going to play. Uh, he tweaked his hamstring again in practice on Wednesday, which is not a good sign for even next week. They consider him week to week. But it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot for the Giants to do. It's going to be a lot for the Giants to just overall accomplish in terms of tasks for Monday. And is this Seahawk team the team it was last year? Similar in personnel, but they're not really the same team. I mean, I think they definitely have faults on defense. Their offense, their offensive line is definitely shaken up, which we'll get into. But I mean, compare us to them. We're also not the same team. The defense has totally entered a regression. The offense is stalemate. And if you guys remember last year, they totally locked us down in man coverage. That was the blueprint to stop the Giants' offense the little bootlegs and the play actions and the quick slants and all the stuff that we did, they shut it down. Cliff hurt, shut it down. And the rest of the Seahawks defense shut it down. They're not playing as good this year, but they could also have a get right game against us, which is not something we want. So for the Seahawks, I mean, the implications, they obviously got a loaded West, the offense, for them, Geno Smith's doing his thing. Your offensive line is banged up. But again, just to skip over to the Giants side before we get to the injury report, it's season or bust, man. It, it really is because we could sit here and talk about, oh, well, we expected the season to go this way and this and that and all these other different things. But when you're in season, it's kind of a different feeling. You know, if you lose this game and then you lose the next two, Miami and Buffalo, and then you go to the Commanders game, which we're home for in the Jets game. Let's just say you win those two games. You're three and five before you go out on a road trip. I mean, how's the team morale going to be? That's what 
not really many people take into account. Is the team still going to be bought into Brian Dable? Is the team still going to be playing hard? And to be honest with you, this defensive effort really doesn't look that good to me. The tackling has been awful. We have the most missed tackles in the NFL. And just common mental errors. And a lot of people are just unhappy, including myself with this Giants team, because you do expect them to be competitive. You do expect them to be in games and stuff like that. But at this moment, I didn't think they would be falling flat on their face. So anyway, let's take a look at the injury report. So for the Seattle Seahawks, they haven't updated it on their website, but I do have it from Mr. Art Stapleton, who, of course, writes for the Giants. Um, Artie Burns and Trey Brown are out. Trey Brown has been injured, I think, the last week, two weeks with an injury. Artie Burns was actually playing last week, and he got hurt. So that damages a little different things right there for the Seattle Seahawks in terms of corner depth, which is a position they've been hurt at. Uh, Kobe Bryant, who is a safety in corner, he is doubtful with a toe injury. And Charles Cross is also doubtful with a toe injury as well. So that's big for the Giants to take advantage of. We know this pass rush hasn't been good. Don't tell me it has. And I get it. You could look at the last stats and the last game stats and say, oh, well, you know, Leonard Williams got in the backfield and Dexter Lawrence got in the backfield. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau was a ghost. And we'll get into more of that in a little bit. But questionable. Evan Brown, who if you're a Giants fan, you may remember that name. He was an undrafted free agent with us at SMU, I believe, in 2018. Um, he was part of the Shermer era, whatever. Will Disley is also questionable, along with Noah Fant, two key tight ends. Derek Hall, the Auburn rookie, and Draymond Jones, who really uh, heads up the middle of that defense, along with Jerron Reed. Now for the Giants. Saquon Barkley is doubtful. Andrew Thomas is not going to go. And that is pretty much it in terms of game statuses. Uh, DJ Davidson, he is expected to be a go. He's not really had a specified uh, status for the game, which means he's good to go. It's not questionable. It's not out. It's not doubtful. It's not probable. It is unspecified, just like Ben Bredesen. He's expected to go. Aziz Ojolari, he's expected to go. Daniel Bellinger, who had a neck injury. He is expected to go. So all are good in terms of that, except for, once again, Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. Broncos country, let's die. Both teams are uh, both teams' O-lines are really beat up from what I know. That is correct. That is correct. Andrew Thomas is not playing for the Giants. They have their two starting tackles out, meaning Seattle. Uh, their right guard looks like he's going to play Phil Haynes. Evan Brown, as I just mentioned, he's the center. He's questionable. So definitely – in terms of these two pass rushes, which we'll get more on the defensive side in a few minutes, but this is a get-right game for both pass rushes, and I'm not joking when I say that. So, moving forward, Seahawks, they rank 17th in total yards per game on offense, 13th in passing, 16th in running, 4th in points, which is, which is pretty good. Obviously, points is the name of the game. Wink is destroying Kayvon. Chats and Miz in the chat, using them all wrong. Uh, Giants D going to show up and win this game. Yeah, I hope so, man. Um, I know that Wink had some comments earlier out in the week. He said something along the lines of, when we need to turn Kayvon loose, we will. And listen, I'm disappointed in Kayvon's play. Like, he came out, I said this before the 49er game, and, you know, kind of threw a little bit of shade the fans. I don't really understand that. But at the same time, you know, he's not played well, and him in coverage is not a good idea. Like, the Giants... 
if you're gonna do that, do it with somebody else. Don't do it with Kayvon, who's pretty much the team's only pass rusher outside of Aziz Ojolari, but Ojolari is of course healthy this moment. Um wins that, bro. We're we're one and five. In terms of uh in terms of what? Well, I mean, in terms of what, turning him loose or something like that? But no, I, I agree. I think Wink needs to uh utilize him better. Uh is Ojolari back? He is Oh, I, th- I think he's maybe referring to Max's question. Uh, Ojolari is back, by the way. He's expected to play. He doesn't have a game status, which is a good thing. So you move on to the defense of Seattle. They're struggling except against the run. 30th in total yards per game, 31st against the pass, 6th against the run, 29th in points per game. They're 19th in pass percentage, 14th in run percentage, 17th in run percent. excuse me, pass percentage on first down, 22nd in run percentage on first down. 22nd in blitz percentage, 28th in pressure percentage, 6th in sacks, excuse me, 26th in sacks. So you could already tell that something I mentioned earlier, this is going to be a get-right game for the Seattle pass rush, and the Giants once again have a beat-up offensive line. Josh Rizzuto is going to start at left tackle. Marcus McKeithen is going to start at right guard. And, you know, once Andrew Thomas comes back, that's going to be a musical chairs thing. Do you put Rizzuto at right guard? Do you keep McKeithen there? Do you do something with Evan Neal? Evan Neal, I think, needs to have a really good game. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's just something I thought of because you could talk about Azudu and different things and JMS, who's a rookie, and McKeithen, who's basically a rookie at this point. But Evan Neal needs to have a really good game um, to kind of win Giant fans over a little bit. Um, when will he turn him loose? We'll turn him loose in terms of, like, putting him in coverage. So uh, let him rush the passer. Thank you, Ojolari. Yeah, he's been pretty much uh, – He's been a, a zero. He's been on a milk carton a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. And it's been frustrating. I mean, if you're a Giants fan and you want to see Aziz Ojolari succeed, but he's been he's been a minus. He's been a zero on the field because he's not on the field. Now, the Giants, offensively, they don't rank well in offensive or defensive categories. Their best rank is 19th. But 28th total yards, 28th in passing, 24th in rushing, 31st in points per game, defense, 24th. In total yards per game, 19th against the pass, 28th against the run, 30th in points per game, 10th in pass percentage, 23rd in run percentage, 23rd in pass percentage on first down, 13th in run percentage on first down, 2nd in blitz percentage, but we do know that blitz percentage doesn't mean you get pressure. 29th in pressure percentage at 31st in sacks. That, again, needs to be cleaned up this game. They have a beat-up offensive line, and... I don't want to say this game's easy because it's not, but compared to the tests you're going to have down the line, this is, it has to be a defensive get right game. It has to be. There's no doubt about it. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit, of course, and further extend on it. Uh, the Seahawks have been without their tackle since week one. Thank you for, for the uh, insight, Jose. Good stuff, Alex. Good seeing you, man. Thank you, Ms. Appreciate it as always. So things to look for. The Seahawks, they're not some quick offense. They're not some slants, you know, this, that, and the other thing. They're very much a drop back, take your time, play action, passing offense. And that's what the Giants need to be ready for. And Geno Smith, like any good quarterback against trash linebackers and trash corners and safeties, not saying that the Giants have those, but he attacks the middle of the field. And, of course, DK Metcalf's healthy for this game. Tyler Lockett is healthy for this game, so they will be all uh, healthied up. 
that's a terrible word to use, but I'm going to use it anyway just for the sake of moving along. So they have a straight drop back, play action, passing offense, and that's how they create big plays. That's really how they create big plays. I'll include some defensive stats in a minute. Shouts to our guys on Twitter who always do that. Now, also another thing to look for, the Giants. Will they open up play action? Will they do quick passes, curls, slants? Now, my thing is this. The Giants, as I mentioned earlier, were very much stonewalled last year against the Seattle Seahawks. You saw all sorts of things not work, and I think Daniel Jones had 13 passing yards in the first half. That's not going to get it done. I don't care what defense you know, you're playing. That's not going to get it done, right? To go back on the point about the Seahawks drop back passing offense, for Geno Smith this season, 15 of 15, 219 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions on throws from 10 to 19 yards. So pretty much explosive plays, chain movers, shouts to Bobby Skinner. I'm not going to sit here and not credit somebody. So credits to Bobby on that one for researching and stuff like that. But that's Geno Smith. He's been pretty good with the football in his hands this season. But in terms of the Giants, again, going back to opening up play action, this defense is not what it was last year. They do have similar personnel, as I mentioned. We'll, again, touch more statistically on that in a little bit. But, again, play action. The Giants need to open that up. That is their only way of getting vertical threats and offense down the field. And you don't have a rushing attack. They are one of the best run defenses in the NFL. You're going to need to experiment that uh, with that this game. You can't really avoid it because they will – easily figure out what you're doing in the passing offense and then you'll be screwed either way but i don't think this is a time for quick passes maybe deep curls maybe some different concepts they like to run post wheel i know that was talked about on twitter and all these different things but some of those things that you did against minnesota some of those things you did against green bay last year whatever worked in play action you need to start doing that again and Maybe go back in the film room and see, hey, listen, Saquon Barkley was not on the 97-yard touchdown drive that we tied the game with Green Bay. He wasn't on that drive. Maybe we ought to see what we got to do to get Gary Brightwell and Breida involved. I mean, they didn't have legitimate, you know, too many carries or whatnot. I know Brightwell had his first rushing touchdown, but listen, obviously you're going to have to get more guys involved with the absence of Saquon Barkley. Um, what is up to Daniel Berry Sports? We got to use Hyatt more too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to touch on that. I think they got to use Jalen Hyatt more. Um, there's no excuse. I know they talked about, well, we got to get him more involved. No, listen, I get it. If he was some developmental pick in the fifth round, and but he's already shown that he can be a vertical threat in this offense, that he could be an impact in certain areas. And the Giants didn't use that last game. I get it. You know, they did do a deep shot, but it was to Slayton and the ball wasn't, you know, necessarily put in the right spot. Then you also had the deep shot to Darren Waller, which was pass interference. But, I mean, that just has to be on a consistent basis for this game. The Giants need to go out there and score 20-plus points, and I get it. Usually I would say 25 to 30, but the Giants have set the bar so low in terms of scoring points that we have to say 20 because, let's see, other than the game against the Cardinals, the Giants have not scored 20. Haven't even scored 20 combined. I mean, other than that game, was it 13 or 12? It was 12 against the 49ers and nothing against the Cowboys. So, again, and it's also a point that the Giants need to get off to a good start. 
The Giants haven't had a first-half touchdown since the Colts game. When you're talking about regular season, that's not good. That's not how you operate in the NFL. It's not all about second-half adjustments because you could start a game like shit and finish like, you know, gold. You could finish really well. But if you start off really bad, it's, you know, like... For instance, I think Colorado lost today. I'm pretty sure they lost to USC. They started out like dog shit, but they finished well. But the problem is they were too behind in the beginning against Caleb Williams to even prompt a, an amount a proper comeback. So, again, we want to talk about, oh, you can finish good and all this other stuff. No, you got to start that way, too. The Giants for the last few years have not been playing a full four quarters of football, and it's pissing me off to no end, to be honest with you. Um, but also, again, Seahawks and man coverage, flashback to 2022. Again, much of the Giants' personnel offensively in some ways has not changed. Now, Hodgins was not kicked in yet. We'll see him probably. Um, Sterling Shepard, he was on the ACL injury. Darren Waller wasn't here yet. There's a couple other guys that weren't here, so it was really just Slayton and a bunch of scrubs. I mean, this is an upgraded receiving core. We talk about, oh, the Giants have speed, speed, speed on offense. This is a game that you need to get that right. Absolutely. Like, there's no doubt about it. You have to get that right. Um, But let's move into the players to watch real quickly so i'll start off with geno smith and his completion percentage is really good at a 68.9 four touchdowns a pick five sacks taken 736 yards you look at the backfield charbonnet hasn't gotten many carries if you guys don't know who that is he was their draft pick at ucla has no touchdowns yet he's got about 73 yards on the ground but kenneth walker has been their main back 4.3 yards per carry four touchdowns 204 yards on 47 touches. Their targets, DK Metcalf is their lead receiver at 234 yards on 15 receptions with a touchdown, four catches over 20 yards, two touchdowns, 13 receptions, 103 yards for Tyler Lockett. Noah Fan is also factored in there, along with Colby Parkinson, who's trying to you know come on the scene this year. I mean, he's been with them for years, but him and Fant just seem like, I can't say an underrated tight end duo just a safety blanket for geno smith in that offense and of course you have to factor in the rookie jsn jackson smith and jigba and will disley he's gonna play too so you have that the expected o-line right now um many have i would say assumptions about right guard can't say for sure though stone forsyth had two sacks allowed though so far this season Charles Cross is doubtful, so he's not going to play. Stone Forsyth was a draft pick, I believe, in 2020 or 2021 out of Florida. Then you got Damian Lewis, who's been there for a few years. Evan Brown, we mentioned at the beginning of the show. He was a former Giant. Anthony Bradford, he's their draft pick from this year, but I don't think it's going to be him this time around. I think Phil Haynes, who's a guy that's been there, um, he's probably going to get the reins. He was a fourth-round pick out of Wake Forest in 2019. And then Jake Curhan, 
will likely get the start at right tackle. He's out of California and undrafted free agent from a couple of years ago. And that unit has allowed five sacks. That's not bad for three games. That really isn't. But let's see. They face the Rams, which is a pretty good pass rush with Aaron Donald in the middle. They face the Lions, and you know I think Hutchinson had maybe two sacks against them. I have to go back and look at the stats in specific. But, I mean, if they don't give up uh, big sack numbers, big pressure numbers to defensive lines like, you know, Hutchinson, if they just let Hutchinson and Aaron Donald do their thing and then maybe the other backups don't really get a shot at doing their thing because they're locking them down, that doesn't spell right for the Giants' defense because we're not the 49ers, we're not the Rams, we're not Aiden Hutchinson, you know, we're not that defensive line who attacked Jordan Love on Thursday. So the Giants, again, they need to prove a lot of people wrong this game. There's really no doubt about that. Um, the Seahawks are going to chip with tight ends and run the football. The Giants need to throw at the slot. Yeah, I mean, that's going to, again, Jose, it goes straight to my point of Speed, speed, speed. Everyone was talking this offseason. Oh, the Giants offense is one of the speediest in the NFL and this and the other thing. It needs to be put to the test this game. It really does. I mean, again, Michael Jackson has probably one of the higher passer ratings allowed. Darren Waller, I would love to see, honestly, and we'll get into this in a bit, who Julian Love matches up against because he's been horrible in coverage statistically. So, again, it's just going to be interesting to see. Now, you take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Jerron Reed has been their best interior defensive player this year. Two sacks, six quarterback pressures, six quarterback hits, 13 tackles. Bobby Wagner, 33 tackles and a tackle for a loss. You have Tariq Woolen, who's coming back. He wasn't really designated with an injury this week. He's taken off the injury report um, specifically for him. He's given up two completions on three targets, 70.1 passer rating in two games. So that's not really a good sample size to measure him off of. But last year he was, I would argue, the second best rookie corner in the league outside of Sauce Gardner. And it was really unexpected too because he's a guy that came in as a, what was it, a fifth-round pick. And not many thought of him in a positive light. But this man, he just kept it going. Um, Davon Witherspoon is a guy I really liked. I really, really liked him out of, I believe it was Illinois that it was his college. And I was scouting him, you know, in the pre-draft process because the Giants obviously needed a second corner. They got Deontay Banks and they weren't really high enough to pick Davon Witherspoon. And I was honestly shocked when the Seahawks went with Witherspoon because I'm like, that's just another tool for that defense to play with. And he hasn't been terrible, but he's... You know, the stats are misleading in a sense, right? You look at the completion percentage, it's not bad. It's 41.7. The passer rating could be better at 84.7. He's given up two touchdowns and 116 yards. So it looks like the chunk players are what beats him. 11.6 yards per completion allowed. So if it's Jalen Hyatt, if it's Darius Slayton, I would like to see the Giants attack him. I really would because if you test him a little bit, if he starts clamping down, then you move on to Michael Jackson. If he is struggling, you split it between whoever's on Witherspoon and whoever's on Michael Jackson, who we flip to next. Now, he was a guy that came in a few years ago from Detroit, New England, played a lot last year. This year, he hasn't got off to the hottest start. 
played three games so far, uh, no starts, seven completions on nine targets allowed, 77.8 completion percentage, 92 yards, 109.3 passer rating. So, again, he would be a guy, Daniel Jones, look in the film room, he would be a guy to target. But with that being said, I do want to pass it over to uh, – let me just get him in here. John Gilbert of Field Goals. John, what are your thoughts coming into this game? You know, I'm excited. I always love primetime games. Um, the Seahawks have done really well under Pete Carroll in primetime. Um, it's always good to, you know, I spent 10 years living in New York. So I'm, I love the city, love the area. Um, you know, and it's always good to see MetLife. But it's, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I think the game will be a lot closer than a lot of Seahawks fans are anticipating. But I wouldn't mind if that's not the case at all. So hopefully, hopefully it won't be, but we'll see. Exactly. We want, we want a good primetime game, not a blowout, of course. Um, so just going to go through a couple of questions, of course, so we could always get the, the opponent's side. Start with number one, which is more of a casual point of view as we get deeper and deeper into the analysis. After Geno Smith signed his contract extension, were there any worries internally, Seahawks fan base wise or any of the reporters and the bloggers about him regressing? And how do you think he's performed thus far? Statistically, from what I've seen, he's pretty much on the same game as last season, you know, good completion percentage and getting the chunk plays downfield. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely absolutely no question, uh, significant concern among large portions of the fan base, uh, you know, that he would regress, that he would return to, you know, the pre-2022 Gino or Gino that you saw in, for the Giants or for the Jets uh, earlier in his career. And there was, I mean, it was a huge debate among Seahawks fans during the offseason. You know, do we extend him? You know, do we just keep Drew Locke and roll with him and see if the coaching staff can do with him what they did with Geno Smith over the past few seasons and I think you know the first half of the first of week one against the Rams started off strong performed well and then the second half was an absolute disaster uh, with both starting tackles a Lucas Charles Cross going down with injury and the offense just sputtered they did nothing I think it was a total of nine yards of 12 yards something of total offense in the half and and a lot of that came on a nine yard draw to end the game and you know but since then week two week three they've kind of tweaked the offense a little bit you know you mentioned those chunk plays they have been going for the chunk plays but they've been going more intermediate chunk plays that they've been looking for the last couple of weeks you know in week two against the the Lions, the longest completion to a wide receiver was only 18 yards versus you know what they've done in the past where they look for DK Metcalf deep, where they look for Tyler Lockett deep. And Gino, but Gino's done a fantastic ball, fantastic job of getting the ball where it needs to go. And just like you said, I mean, fantastic completion percentage, passer rating through the roof. He's on the you know on pace for another fantastic season. We'll see if he can hit those incentives that he has in his contract. But so far, he's you know not making the team regret giving him the contract that they gave him yeah absolutely and as i brought up earlier by the way uh in the chat jose thank you for that uh refresher on the uh the sack count against the lions but uh one of the content creators for the giants actually uh decided to do the math and draw this up geno smith and you just mentioned i think one of the biggest completions over the last few weeks was like an 18 yard pass not much longer than that um on G geno smith on throws from 10 to 19 yards he's 15 of 15 219 yards and three touchdowns. And of course, that goes up against a Giants defense that really hasn't been able to do, you know, defending the run or uh, defending the pass in that note. Um, moving on a little bit to 
you talked about the offensive line getting banged up. No Charles Cross for this week. Abe Lucas is still sidelined. How do you think the O-line has done in the absence of those two tackles? At least, once again, from the outsider's standpoint, five sacks in three games isn't terrible. Uh, you guys went up against Aiden Hutchinson, and you didn't give up any sacks. And also, what's the update with Jason Peters? Because it seemed like when you guys signed him, he was going to eventually get into the mix. But again, I'll start with, how's the O-line done so far with you know two tackles coming in and a mixture at, at the guard position too? You know, it's been a lot better than I had anticipated. I thought it was going to be a disaster, uh, but they, between using play action, between using multiple tight end sets, they've given the, you know, the youngsters that tackle Jay Curran and Stone Forsythe uh, the help that they've needed. There's been also a lot of rotation on the interior of the line. At one point last week, the only week one starter who was on the line and actually playing was Evan Brown at center uh, with the other four positions, all backups. And, and they performed well enough to come away with a victory. So, so it's you know it's been very impressive to see what they've been able to do and deal with the way they've dealt with all the injuries up front. You know if they do run up against the team with a significant pass rush, you know I wouldn't want to be playing against the 49ers or the Eagles, you know with a with that kind of offensive line make you know put together. But it's you know, so far it, it hasn't been an issue and a part of that, like I said, it's been you know using multiple tight end sets, it's been using play action to buy a couple you know two three extra tenths of a second, and Gino just getting the ball out where it needed to go uh, on time rather than running around like Russell Wilson used to do and eating a lot of sacks. Yeah, definitely. Are you, I was about to say, are you, um, and you kind of also half answered this too, is are you at all concerned with the interior? Because obviously your tackles seem to hold up well. Obviously that's helping with the chipping of tight ends, but also who's going to start at right guard? Cause there's a little bit of thing on giants Twitter. Um, I know one of the beat reporters said it's going to be Anthony Bradford. I also didn't see a, Injury designation for Phil Haynes. Is it going to be Phil Haynes at right guard? We're not really sure. You know, Phil Haynes has been the starter. Um, Anthony Bradford is the is likely the future. Um, you know, and so Bradford performed well when he was put into the game last week in his first action. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see him if they want to, you know, give Haynes a little bit of rest. He hits a, uh, a calf injury. And obviously, you know, you don't want to aggravate that. The Seahawks have an early bye, so they have a week five bye. So you give him the, you know, if they give him the week off or they have him, you know, off the bench if they need him, if Bradford can't handle it, just to make sure that the, you know, the cap is not an issue. Um, but I think it'll come down to, it'll be one of those things where, you know, Pete, Pete Carroll likes to play things close to the vest and not really share everything so that, you know, you see how much of an information advantage it really is with the opponent not knowing exactly who they're going to be going up against. I don't know, but it's, you know, Bradford and Haynes are, they're similar builds or similar styles of play, at least from what we've seen so far. So it's just a matter of which one of them, the giants are going to be going up against. Yeah, definitely. And making a transition over to the defense, Right now, and the Giants don't really rank well in this area either, they're low 20s in pressure percentage and 26 in sacks. I'll go one by one in terms of questions. What do you think this is due to in terms of the lack of pressure and the lack of getting to the quarterback? I mean, they've got guys who can rush the passer. I think they've just, they don't have, they haven't had the, sec the play in the secondary to force quarterbacks to hold the ball long enough that the pressure can actually get home. Um, 
week one and week two, both Goff and uh, in week one, Stafford absolutely shredded them in the intermediate area. They were getting the ball out, not immediate, not quick, not Tom Brady style, you know, instant short stuff, but it was quick enough that the pass rush wasn't getting home. We saw a little bit more pressure in week three uh, with the Panthers where Andy Dalton held the ball a little bit longer, was looking to go a little bit deeper. Um, but it's it's really been one of those areas of, of underperformance that's been concerning to a lot of fans. And I think it's, I think a lot of it is a lot, whole lot of moving pieces. There's a whole lot of new names, new faces up front and trying to figure out exactly what they have and how they're going to put things together. Cause they kind of tweak the scheme up front a little bit in the off season to try and focus more on stopping the run and trying to, you know, fit that in ba- balance that out with stopping the run and, you know, and attacking the, quarterback i think they're working towards it um but they they obviously like you mentioned with those rankings they are not there yet right and i'll go to the second question and this is something i've talked about on the opposite side because the giants have a similar issue once again and i think they're also better talented in that area too it's just the expectations are high and the the performance is low do you think that this should be a get-right game for the Seattle pass rush? I mean, defense is a bigger picture thing, but specifically the Seattle pass rush because they are going up against an offensive line that hasn't played well, and that's dealing without their best offensive tackle, really best offensive player, for being honest, and Andrew Thomas. It certainly could be. Um, and I think it's one of those situations where if it's not, then it might be one of those times where, you know, alarm bells start going off. You know, you can write it off for a week or two or, you know, a lot of new names, a lot of new faces, a whole lot of snap count turnover, you know, in the off season with all the whole defensive front basically overhauled. And but at some point, it's got to, you know, you, you've got to stop with the excuses. And this is one of those things where, like you say, the Giants offensive line has underperformed or at least, you know, not performed at a high level this season. And if you can't go into a team, you know, that can't can't protect the passer and you're not able to apply pressure, then then that's an issue. And that's, you know, it kind of it was good to see, you know, pressure applied against Andy Dalton in the Panthers. But the Panthers, I believe, if memory is correct, have given up the most pressures of any team in the NFL so far this season you know, with their offensive line. So it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's great. We got pressure, but, you know, is it replicable in the future against other teams or was it just a function of the fact that we were playing against one of the worst offensive line lines in the NFL? Um, you know, I think I think it'll come in fits and spurts. There won't be, you know, I don't I don't we're not going to see a dominant um, performance from the Seattle defensive front. I don't think, you know, it's not like Daniel Jones is going to be on his back every time, you know, as soon as he gets the ball and hits the back of his drop every every play. But I won't be surprised if he's under pressure enough that it influences his ability to do what the Giants want to do on offense. Definitely. And like you were talking about a little bit influencing the pass rush, we move a little bit concerning a little more of the secondary too, because I believe at least from what I've read, this is more of the reason unlike last year, the defense for Seattle isn't really putting out results. Now, do you attribute that to certain guys underperforming or do you attribute that to guys like Tariq Woolen, Trey Brown getting injured? And maybe it's a mix of both. Uh, let us let us know a little bit. I, I think it's a little bit, you know, guys have been underperforming, um, you know, and I, I don't think it's that they're underperforming, you know, not that they're being playing poorly. It's just, you know, they've 
they've dealt with a ton of injuries already. Woolen uh, injured. Trey Brown obviously was lost to injury. Both safeties, Quandary Diggs and Julian Love, were playing with hamstrings injuries last week. Uh, you know, the the starting slot, Artie Burns, was playing because the 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 slot in week the guy who played slot in week three, excuse me, Artie Burns, was playing because the starter at the position in weeks one and week two was out with a toe injury in week three. That's Kobe Bryant. And so, you know, there's been a whole lot of turnover and that's turnover on top of a lot of off season change at the position with the addition of Devin Witherspoon, the addition of um, Julian Love, you throw in uh, the competition at the mix and then Reek Woolen missed a bunch of training camp. You had Devin Witherspoon miss a bunch of training camp. And when they're playing these complicated back-end coverages in the secondary, uh, in, you know, in their Fangio-style defense, it takes communication. They need to know where the other guys are going to be, where are they going to be lined up, you know, who's got coverage, who's got what responsibility, making the right reads in real time against offenses that are designing plays specifically to exploit these schemes and communication lapses. And we've seen how much of an impact that has had because the players just haven't had a whole lot of practice time together. You know, they haven't been healthy. Jamal Adams is likely to start tomorrow or excuse me, Monday. He's only had two full weeks of practice. Um, and so it's just a matter of, you know, I think the past, the secondary will improve in their past coverage, but don't be surprised if there are you know, a couple or three times during the game where the giants have someone down the field, absolutely wide open just because of a coverage bust. And it's just due to a lot, that lack of time together and the reps needed in practice to know where the other guys are going to be on the field. Definitely. So Jose, who, is, who does some Seahawks coverage, he goes, he blames love. Max says, is Tariq Woolen back for this game? He has no injury designation, which means he's healthy. Um, forgot this was Monday night. It was Sunday morning. Yep. I mean, you got to get used to it. Um, you're, you're good, Barbara. You're good. As I said, it's, it's a little bit of adjustment, you know, prime time game Monday night. It's just that extra, extra day. You got to wait. And, uh, Jose touched on it just a little bit in the chat. And the, as you did mention, uh, Julian Love was playing with a little bit of a hammy. Um, but there's also the stat out there. I think Julian Love has given up, I think, one of the top five yardage and like coverage among safeties. How has he played overall in your view on this defense? Is it a concern long-term, or is it the injury hampering him and he's still trying to find his footing in this defense? I think he's played well. I, I know he has. You know, there's a stat out there that he was, you know, he's been heavily targeted. He's been, he's given up a ton of completions. But a lot of that has simply been a function of the fact that what the Rams did in week one. They, I mean, they... The, Sean McVay absolutely knows it shreds Pete Carroll's defense every chance he gets when he's got a competent quarterback under center. And they, the receivers, they run their their routes past the linebacker. They hit the hole in between the linebackers and the safety, and the ball goes to the receiver. And then that gets charged to, you know, either the safety or the corner who happens to be in the area. And it just so happened that it was Kobe Bryant and Julian Love who were in that area. You know, he has when he's been when they've been in man to man coverage, he has been very good he you know he provided the coverage needed he's been great in run support um you know but when because of the style of defense the seahawks play and because they were exploited by both the lions and the rams in weeks one and two by those intermediate zones you know his his coverage stats if you will in zone coverage are they're they're ugly um but if you look at his coverage stats in man to man you know teams aren't targeting him because he's not the weakest link in that secondary um and i think you know, there, there are some fans who were upset. They think they may have overpaid for him, felt they could have filled the position in-house. But it's, you know, I'm ecstatic with the position. I'm glad he's around, and I hope that it's, you know, I'm hoping that he sticks around for more than just the two-year contract that he signed. So, Yeah, definitely. And I touched upon this 
uh, a little bit before you came on is something that the Seahawks did last year, and it's similar personnel, uh, which goes along with the question I have is, they really put out a blueprint last year on how to solve and how to really stop this Giants offense by playing a lot of man coverage and just stopping all sorts of different things. Are, are the Seahawks defense a little bit more of a zone team? Are they a man team? Do they have a balance in terms of that? They're pretty well balanced and they, we haven't gotten it. You know, we haven't seen enough because they've tweaked some things in the secondary this year, but it's about a 60, 40 split um, man zone or zone man, excuse me. And they're, you know, when they, I think they had success shutting down the Giants playing man coverage in 2022, in part because if memory serves correctly, the Giants were missing the top three wide receivers on the roster at the time uh, due to injuries. And so they were playing guys who they were not expecting to be playing and not, you know, it was you're not being asked to shut down guys who are going to wind up in Canton one day. So they're, you know, they certainly have the names and they have the talent at cornerback between Devin Witherspoon, Tariq Woolen, you know, Trey Brown will, you'll, injuries, all that. But it, you know, they have the guys who can compete at cornerback, but it's, you know, between going going back and forth between the zone and the man, and sometimes there's those communication issues. We've seen it at least once each week where someone just winds up completely wide open in the secondary and it goes for a long score or a deep play to set up a score. So it's, you know, I think I think the, they should have success against the Giants. Um, you know, they're not going to be a defensive juggernaut like the Legion of Boom that's going to come in and shut things down. Um, you know, but it's I, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to throw the ball all over the field like Matthew Stafford and and Jared Goff did against this defense. True. Uh, Jose says he's worried about Julian Love. Bill says there may be busted coverage, but is Daniel Jones going to see it? That's my big question. That's my big question, too, to be honest. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be a little bit more than pissed. I might be I might have <laughs> I might might have a round Tuesday. Who knows? We can still win. Protect Jones. I'm throw. It may be mixing some no huddle throughout the game. I mean, yeah, but you don't really want to always go off no huddle because, I mean, that's that's really kind of saying that Daniel Jones is like Zach Wilson. Uh, my worry is the trenches because as long as we play Hyatt, I know uh, nobody can guard him. Yeah, Hyatt, as I said, it all comes down to execution because, I mean, the O-line is going to be one thing. I know the Seahawks are looking to kind of get it as a get-right game for their pass rush and the Giants O-line, on the other hand, they want to prove something. But at the same time, this offense – Overall, in general, has to prove something because I was mentioning it for the 50th time on the show. We were convinced speed, speed, speed in the offseason with the weapons, and it just hasn't shown up um, yet because of the execution, not everyone playing to their expectations. But speaking of expectations, um, I'm not going to say so much more for this Monday because he is coming back from missing a long time due to, I believe, I forget what injury he had. But um, Jamal Adams, what do you expect big picture? You know, it, what we're hearing from Pete Carroll is that he, you know, he's going to play and he's going to play a lot, whether that means he plays 100% of the snaps, you know, I expect him to start, um, you know, what we what we'll see we have he was posting you know workout rehab recovery videos you know throughout much of the off season and there was you know there was all it was never it never got back to the point where it was, I was comfortable looking at it and saying like you know, he, he's back. Um, and there was always a little hitch in his step, you know, working through, you know, whether it's scar tissue or, you know, getting extra range of motion or whatever it is. He, he never looked fully healthy. Now, obviously he, he stopped posting those videos a couple months ago. It's been several months since the last one. So we, you know, nobody's really seen him. He wasn't practicing, you know, when, during training camp, when it practices were open to the media. So 
you know, a lot of Seahawks fans, myself included, we're we're going to be watching and seeing, you know, what he looks like for the first time, uh, you know, in person, uh, you know, with as much curiosity as Giants fans are. And so I think my guess is they aren't going to bring him back too early. It was a torn quadriceps tendon, which is absolutely, you know, no joke of an injury, but they'll bring him back, you know, let him do his thing, you know, in the stadium where he played his best football of his career, where he started his career with the Jets, you know, on Monday night football, you know, let him do that. And we'll see what it, what it looks like. You know, I don't think they're going to ask him to, you know, to be a whole lot in coverage. I'm, I'm expecting a lot more of, you know, what, what we would expect from a, a strong safety, a box safety, you know, a lot of run support, a lot, potentially a lot of blitzing where he's not asked to stick with a wide receiver who may be running at 435 or a 4440 um, as his knee continues to recover. He's got the bye week in the next week out, you know, afterwards just to see, you know, what things look like. But I'm, you know, I'm just excited because he'll bring energy on the field and the defense. My concern is that the defense might be so overhyped that we wind up with, you know, whether it's a roughing the passer penalty or, a, you know, unnecessary roughness on a defenseless receiver, whatever it is, a stupid penalty that adds 15 yards to a play, leads to a scoring drive for the Giants, or, you know, just something, you know, a busted play, overhyped, and then, you know, somebody winds up in the end zone with a free seven because the, you know, somebody forgot to do their job because they were so overexcited, so. Yeah, definitely. So Max says our fastest player isn't getting the snaps. I'm hoping Dave will finally list the playbook. Rip, for now, it's a frost. It's now, and it's never, and you don't win playing scared. Absolutely. Especially against this uh, defense, which is known to bust coverages. We aren't running the ball, though, in reference to this comment. We have to get off to a better start. I know we like to run, but we got to try to find things. Yeah, I mean, they only ran it nine times, and there was only a fraction of them that were actually from running backs. And uh, Well, the Seahawks' defense uh, is very good against the run. I believe they rank top ten. I think they're like seventh. So, And even just to add on to that question, House, not, I mean, he's older, and he was a part of that Legion of Boom, but how similar – is Bobby Wagner to what he was when he was last with the Seahawks? You, there's certainly a difference. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, he's exactly the same, you know, the guy that he was, especially back in his prime. You know, he's a step slower. They limit what he, they try to limit what he does a little bit. You know, they're not having him carry wide receivers down the field like he was, you know, five or six years ago. But in terms of run support, he's, you know, he's Bobby Wagner, you know, he's a sure tackler. He's reading and diagnosing plays faster than, you know, than anyone you in football and he's just you know, that's all there he's got the mental skills uh you know the the physical skills are not what they once were the knees you know are a little bit beat up but you know in run support he's phenomenal uh but it's you know, we're, like I said, we're just not we're not watching him carry, you know, run with the wide receivers like we used to. So it's you can tell he's he's not the same, but he's it, there's enough there that he's impacting the game uh, in a way that, you know, you can tell there's a difference when he's on the field versus when he's not. Right. And going to a little bit more basic game prep out of specifics. Well, actually, it's still kind of specific from an evaluation. Also, maybe a fan standpoint whether it's position by position or it's player against player are you looking forward to any specific matchups for this game 
you know, it's really just what what I'm looking forward to, or what I what we're really curious to see is what they do with Julian Love now that Jamal Adams is back, and they do have the issues in the in the slot. When he signed, one of my big expectations is that Love profiles almost exactly like at, athletically, he profiles out almost exactly like the slot corners who have had the most success for the Seahawks uh, under Pete Carroll. Whether it was Jeremy Lane, whether it was Deshaun Shedd, uh, Jeremy Coleman over the years, and he he profiles for that very well. And then he came out and he started obviously a strong safety the first three games because of the fact that they didn't have Jamal Adams and he had had experience at that, you know, spot before the, now it comes down to, you know, what are they going to do with him? Um, you know, with the giants, is he going to be lined up in the slot? You know, is Adams going to start a strong safety or are they going to keep love deep, you know, put Adams in the slot. That's the, the matchup that I'm looking for is what they're going to be doing there on the, uh, you know, kind of on the interior of the secondary as opposed to, you know, any individual matchups. You know, I think it, when it comes to the run game, they're going to be fine in getting, you know, I think, I think the Bobby Wagner is going to manage the defensive front, you know, the, the pass rush is going to be the pass rush. My, you know, could, well, I, one thing I will be watching is whether the Giants pass rush, uh, you know, can take advantage of the youth that might be on the field for the Seattle offense uh, on the offensive line, but it's, they've given enough support at that, that I, over the past two weeks that they've kind of allayed my concerns on that. Uh, you know, if this were happening, if this game were being played in week two, that's a matchup I would absolutely be watching. Uh, the, 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 on the, when the Seahawks have the ball on offense, what I'll be watching is whether they'll be able feeding the ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit more. He w- has been mostly a decoy um, in during the first, I mean, I say that, you know, jokingly almost, but a first round wide receiver, but he's playing third fiddle behind Metcalf and Lockett. And obviously they've kind of tweaked the offense. They're not throwing deep. So that's not opening up the the underneath and the middle for him, kind of like they had anticipated. And they've been throwing a lot more to the tight ends. I think with a little more confidence in the offensive line, with a little more, you know, experience for those tackles who came in very inexperienced a couple weeks ago, I think we might see a big game out of JSN just because of the fact that they might they might let Metcalf and Lockett run a little bit deeper routes and let you know Jay, Jackson Smith and Jigba have a little bit more space to operate in the underneath intermediate and you know I'm not saying he's going to go off for, for a couple hundred yards but you know if he if he has a 75 yard game I think it'll lay a lot of a lot of the fears of Seahawks fans who are frustrated that they have a first round pick who has 57 yards receiving through his first three games. Right. So two X factors. One on offense, one on defense for the Seahawks on Monday. The defense is just—it's going to be whoever's in the slot. You know, who is playing? Probably Julian Love is going to be my guess. You know, and you know, it's can they shut down whoever the you know can they shut down all of the Giants' receiving targets? And then on offense, it's the offense. The Seattle offense runs through the tight ends. You know, when the tight ends are able to produce and the Seahawks can move the ball through the air to the tight ends over the past couple of years, since, you know, with Geno Smith, the quarterback, they've been able to score and move the ball and win. So it's going to be, you know, Will Disley and Noah Fant versus the Giants in coverage. And if those two can, you know, or if the, excuse me, if the Giants can stop those two, then, excuse me, Colby Parkinson, not Will Disley, Disley is battling shoulder injury but if they can you know phantom parkinson if the giants can stop those two those are going to be that's the way to slow down and stop the seahawks offense 
Right. And if you're on the Seahawks side and you're looking at the Giants, one on offense, one on defense in terms of X, X factors for the opponent. You know, it, they've been fantastic shutting down the run. Um, and so it's can they continue to shut down the run and can they stop Saquon like they did last year? You know, obviously it's not not like he's a you I mean, people know he's going to be the focal point of the offense or at least one of the focal points if he's playing. If he's not playing, you know, the Giants beat the Seahawks with the backup running back in a couple of years ago in 20, 2020, um, you know, on the 12 and four season when we went to the playoffs and lost seven, I believe it was 17, 12 or 17, 14 um, to the Giants. So it's can they stop if it's not Saquon? Who is it? And, you know, can they stop it? Because, and, you know, and they have they've been shredded. Uh, at times by running quarterbacks. So I won't be surprised if Daniel Jones has a big game on the ground. Um, and then on defense, it's it's just going to be stopping, you know, the Giants defensive line, whether it's Dexter Lawrence shredding things from the inside, Leonard Williams or, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, any of those three guys match, whoever it is that's matching up against Jake Kern and Stone Forsythe, that's going to be the, the the X factor on that that front. Right. And then uh, a final score or just a winner prediction. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping Seattle comes out of this game victorious. You typically win teams from the Pacific time zone play against East Coast teams in prime time. The Pacific time zone team has uh, the advantage. I think Seattle has a slight talent advantage, scheme advantage, you know, not necessarily scheme advantage, but it's, you know, systemic uh, you know they've had the system in place with p carroll a little bit longer a little more comfortable a little more experienced under the lights and i you know i i think seattle comes away with a win i don't think it'll be a blowout you know maybe something 30 to 25 31 24 something along those lines um you know but i would not be surprised if it's a game that goes to overtime and is you know 27 24 or something like that yeah definitely and then i put the link in the chat where can people find you and your work uh, I'm a deputy editor at fieldgoals.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at John P. Gilbert NFL and always happy to, you know, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Always happy to talk Seahawks, talk football. So, Of course, we'll see how this game unravels. John, I appreciate you taking the time out of your night and uh, chatting it up with us. See you later and uh, good luck on Monday. Thank you. Uh, good luck to you as well. And anytime. Thank Appreciate you having me on. All right, so not done the show yet, but I just wanted to obviously include John here. Um, so we do have a couple more things to go over before we get out of here for you guys. And, of course, once again, uh, definitely check out John's work. Uh, he does a great job over there as the deputy editor. But um, obviously I talked about Michael Jackson, Jamal Adams, as we discussed with John. He's coming back. How much he's going to play? Is it going to be close to the vest? For Pete Carroll, is it going to be, you know, something like 70% of the snaps? He's the guy that loves to stop the run. I mean, we saw that, you know, in the Jets game a few years ago when Saquon had one rushing yard. So if he is as healthy as everybody thinks, if he's as healthy as a horse, he's going to be an impact. Now, Julian Love, right? We, we talked about him a little bit. Yardage-wise, he's given up 292 this season. 70.4 completion percentage in coverage, 130.5 passer rating, which is the worst passer rating of his career. He's already on track to give up the most yardage of his career in coverage, and he's given up 15.4 yards per completion. 
So, again, the Giants should attack that area. Love, I mean, I don't think he'll get too much time in the box because they have a lot of guys like Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush and Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. Those guys are going to be in the box. I don't think that there's going to be a stacked box for the Giants because I still think there's legitimate threats on the outside and in the slot too. So, again, we'll talk about the slot a little bit more in just a second. But first, I do want to get to this. And that is, of course, our ad, SeatGeek. So if you guys are going to a concert, if you guys are going to a game, parking passes, all that stuff, you can use our promo code BigBlueInTheBronx to get $20 off your entire ticket order. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, yeah, listen, uh, shout-outs to John, man. I mean, he came on here, and, uh, you know, he gave us the analysis that we needed. So appreciate it. Appreciate John. What is up, Robbie? Appreciate you coming into the chat. I don't blame you for feeling confident. I don't feel too confident, but I have hope. Yeah, listen, I'll definitely get into a score prediction uh, at the end to uh, detail my thoughts on this game. And the final thoughts are always going to be a good thing. So now let's go into top matchups as we wind this down. I'm really looking for Darren Waller to have a big game. I mean, against Arizona, he had a great second half. Against the 49ers, he was invisible. He had two drops. One was a pass that really was overthrown by Daniel Jones. Darren Waller was brought in here to be an X-Factor, a number one on offense, right? I mean, we didn't think that Jalen Hyatt was going to be a number one. We didn't think Slayton was going to be a number one. We didn't think Hodgins was going to be a number one. They were just put in certain positions to make it look like that. Darren Waller, again, was brought over to be the number one. And why I say that the Giants sold us on a competitive season is because they brought him in. They didn't bring him in because, oh, it's a rebuild. No, 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 no. They brought him in because they felt they were ready to win. They signed Daniel Jones. They brought in Darren Waller, all these different things. Now, who he's positioned against, don't put him on the outside. I know they did that a couple of times. Don't put him on the outside. Put him in the slot. I want to see who he matches up against because I don't think it's going to be Tariq Woolen. If it is, great. I mean, great really more for the Seattle defense, but. Also, as well, that would be great for us because that takes away Tariq Woolen on somebody, which could open up other receivers on other corners. And their secondary isn't the greatest. So if he goes up against Julian Love, Daniel Jones, you beat that rock 100 times out of 100 until they start bracketing him. The next one's Jalen Hyatt versus Davon Witherspoon or Michael Jackson. Um, Witherspoon, he's been, again, you look at stats, it's an iffy story. He just gives up chunk plays. And Michael Jackson, he hasn't been good in the limited time he's seen. So I'm really looking for Jalen Hyde to be involved. Like, that's going to be one of those guys that needs to be – I don't care. I don't care what the situation is. He needs to be involved or else there's no reason you dre- – there's really no reason. I mean, he's an immediate impact. Shouts to Joe in the chat. Uh, Robbie says, why couldn't we put together even a half decent running game by committee in case Saquon goes down? Can't anyone else give us anything? That's going to be big for this game. I mean, I didn't necessarily disagree by optics, what they did last game with it, but at the same time, you're one-dimensional. I mean, they ran it at the wrong times, in my opinion. But again, you only run it six times. It's not going to be key. Maybe, I think the Giants really have to go out there and create second and shorts and third and shorts and third and mediums. You really want to be a medium, but third and shorts, second and shorts – Really don't want to get to third down, but that's when you run the football, right? Um, you don't really want to run it on first down because this Seahawks defense is really good against the run. And then you're 
you know, you run the football and you're at second and nine, and then you're put in a position to where it's an incomplete pass and you're at third and nine. That's not gonna that's not gonna bode well. And again, last year the Giants were pretty much in a similar situation where Saquon was the pounding rock and he didn't look too good. He's not even in this game right now. Like he's doubtful. He's not gonna play. So in terms of balancing the run, they need to do that. They need they need some creativity, man. Paris Campbell, do an end around to him. Uh, I want to see what Eric Gray looks like. I, I know that he's probably not going to get a majority of snaps, but I mean, we got to see what he's got at some point. Chris with the super chat. I appreciate you, man. He says, longtime Twitter follower, first time super chat. Why are they limiting Isaiah Simmons? They should utilize him more. He can also stop the run. So I will answer that, my man. Um, as far as that goes, I think he's very good on third down. I think he's very good on third down. Now, I don't think he's going to be used as we would like this game because Micah McFadden had an excellent game last game. And that's not really going to push Bobby O'Karake out of his role either just because he's not been good. And he hasn't been good. Let's, let's be completely honest with ourselves. Um, but I would like to see Simmons more. I feel like they should start opening up the playbook more on defense. The defense hasn't looked good anyway. So you might as well just throw them out there. And, you know, I know that people are very antsy and very weird about blitzing and stuff like that. You know, they blitz too much. They blitz too little. Your front four hasn't gotten home, so you kind of have to blitz. But at the same time, if it's – sorry, it was a fly. If it's in a situation where, you know, it's a third and 13, you don't need to be blitzing. Just put up three, drop you know, how many in coverage. So I think that you should use Simmons more. I think next game is going to be primed for him, being that the Dolphins offense is filled with a ton of speed. But again, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. Um, Hyatt needs to be on more snaps, even if it's just a decoy, just my two cents. Absolutely. Absolutely. He needs to get uh, Hyatt involved more. And I get it. Like he said in a press conference – and. I'm not trying to rip the coach too much, but he's like, well, you know, we got to get Jalen Hyatt involved. Well, who's in charge of that? You, Kafka, and um, Mike Rowe. That, that's who it's up to. I mean, Daniel Jones, too. Like, when he's on the field, he had, if we look at the All-22 after this week and they involve Jalen Hyatt more and Daniel Jones is not seeing him downfield, we're going to have a big problem. I'm just going to say that right now. We move to something I was just talking about with blitzing and all that, the interior Dexter Lawrence versus Anthony Bradford and Evan Brown. Now this is a player in Dexter Lawrence that has not officially gotten to the quarterback this year, but his quarterback hits his pressures, his ability to eliminate double teams is not something that you're going to see on the statue. It's something you're going to see in the film room. And I've recognized it. He has been ultimate Dexter Lawrence. Like that's who we drafted that's who Wink and Andre Patterson have developed this guy to be. That's fine. And I think he could take down Evan Brown. I think he could take down Phil Haynes or Anthony Bradford, whoever they start at right guard. That's not really my worry. Everyone else doing their job is my worry because it can't just be one guy in the middle of that defense. Um, Leonard Williams versus Damian Lewis. Leonard Williams is going to be in a one-on-one -on -one situation probably about 99.9% .9 of the time, maybe – not even that, right? Um, and they'll obviously have the rotations with Aishon. They'll have the rotations with this guy. And 
I don't know if DJ Davidson is going to be on the field as much being the elbow injury sustained last week, but you know, how many one-on-one matchups did he get against Aaron Banks last week? And he did make more progress, but this is a guy that's getting paid like $30 million a year on the cap hit. We need him to perform a little bit better other than to just do the dirty work. This one is another one. And I know you guys will agree with me. Kayvon Thibodeau versus Jake Curhan. And of course, you could always flip it to say versus Stone Forsyth. Kayvon Thibodeau has to have a ball out game. In my opinion, he has to have a ball out game this game. I'm not going to say it's over, but I think alarms are going to start ringing even more if he doesn't have a blowout game. Because I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be, you know, three sacks, five quarterback hits. I'm not expecting that because he's gotten off to a slow start and he's not going to just bust out of nowhere. That's just not going to happen. But Jake Curran, he's an undrafted free agent. He's an average tackle. Kayvon Thibodeau was drafted at five overall. And Wink needs to stop this shit with putting him in coverage. You want coverage? Go put Isaiah Simmons in coverage. You want to use him more. So Thibodeau, again, I get it. Week one, he didn't have a lot of true pass rush sets. But, like, we need – where's the energy? I think the defense – this has to be a get-right game too because they're a, they're a powerful offense. If you take care of a powerful offense enough, imagine what that does for the psyche. That says, okay, we can, you know, pretty much compress this offense that's probably rated as one of the top in the league. Geno Smith, his completion percentage is off the chains. Imagine that what, what that does for the team's mojo, what it does for the team morale. But it has to start with individual players doing their fucking job. Thibodeau versus Curran. And then on the other hand, you have Azizo Jalari versus Stone Forsythe. A lot of people, including myself, have been very impatient with Azizo Jalari because the last two years, he has not been on the field. Mind you, he's bulked up, but that can be bad because if you tweak something, you can be out a few weeks. Aziz was that way last year. This year so far, he's in that route. So he needs to get on the field. He really needs to get on the field, and he needs to make an impact. I'm tired of the excuses. Um, yeah, we've had only one good half and that's against the cardinals that's it that's you can that's like a quarter of a win and then everything else is just an l and i'm also looking at the secondary of this game i'm actually going to start out with xavier mckinney wrap up your tackles number one mr tackling is not a you know concern it's i don't get his comments i really don't i think i said that on one of the shows we did this week is like I don't get it. Like, why would you come out and say something like that when that's com- the complete opposite of what you're really supposed to say? Like, Michael McFadden came out and said, hey, listen, you know, our tackling, you know, we need to make it an emphasis. That's that's true speak right there. That's true leader speak. Not that Michael McFadden is like this great leader, but McKinney, he needs to go out there and wrap up his tackles. Stop ripping the fucking ball out because the Giants haven't been gotten getting takeaways. It just hasn't been happening. And this is a team that really doesn't give up the ball that much because Geno Smith, you know, he, he's very good with the football in his hands. And he also needs to cover the tight ends. We heard John say it. Colby Parkinson, Noah Fant. Disley, he's been dealing with an injury, so I doubt they target him a shit ton. But Fant, who they got in that Denver trade, and Colby Parkinson. Parkinson is not really thought of as much. 
But trust me, he's a factor in that offense. You want to talk about, you know, covering DK and all these other different things. When they do their play actions, when they do their bootlegs and their rollouts, Coley Parkinson gets a lot of the attention, and a lot of people aren't talking about that. But back to the secondary, this is where gonna the battle gets really interesting because you got a Dory Jackson Banks and uh, Trey Hawkins fully healthy. Of course, last week there was a couple injuries, but these guys can really scare a defense. Uh, DK Metcalf is already a very good elite level wide receiver in this league. I think he's still a little bit underrated personally. Tyler Lockett is still performing. And then you got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, and again, John said it, a lot of Seahawks fans are very antsy about right now because he's only got like 59 receiving yards. But he could have a big game. And it just depends who they're going to put in the slot. If they put Adoree in the slot, that's going to be Tyler Lockett's battle. If Smith and Jigba is on the outside, maybe you get him going against uh, Trey Hawkins. Either way, it's not going to be an easy battle. This is going to be another battle of, you know, technique and talent. It really is. And I know it comes down to that every game. I would personally go ahead and make Cordell Flott active for this game because if one of these guys gets injured, or one of these guys gets hurt, you don't want McLeod in the game. You don't want a guy like Darnay Holmes in the game to screw it up for you. You really want to go in there and put your best foot forward. And you drafted Flott in the third freaking round last year. I mean, you got to put him on the field. So let's get to the last two things. Really three. Keys to win. Get the passing game going. This is a get-right game for the passing game. It absolutely has to be. Talked about the Giants shifting more of a passing game type thing with Hyatt and Waller and Campbell and all these different guys coming over. Show us Monday night that you absolutely mean it. Show us. This is not a good defense against the pass. Busted coverages everywhere. Daniel Jones needs to take advantage. Stop with this, you know, this defense gives him this, that, and the other thing. No. We got to take shots. We got to take risks, Right. This conservative approach is not working. And you can start asking yourself, is it Daniel Jones after a while? Because this conservative mindset's not going to work. That's not how you win games in the NFL. Because if you're like that, then the defense has to win majority of the games for you. So Daniel Jones, this offense needs to go out and take risks. They need to use Hyatt. And even if it's an incomplete pass or whatever, that's fine. Because at least you're keeping the defense honest. Darren Waller over the middle of the field. Maybe get Hyde over the middle of the field. I think those two guys, and maybe Paris Campbell too, but I'm really tired of saying his name. So maybe you want to flex Wandale Robinson in there. because Paris Campbell has been great, to be honest. Wandale Robinson, on the other hand, maybe you get him involved too because he's back, he looks very healthy, and he's got speed. Number two, it's sad we even have to put this as number two, but wrap up your tackles on defense. We're terrible against the run. Kenneth Walker can break tackles. Zach Charbonnet is probably not going to get a ton of snaps. But again, wrap up your tackles on defense. And this is for anything. Because last week, it was yards after catch galore. 199 and 310 yards were predicated on yards after catch. I don't know that the Seahawks offense really does what San Francisco does in terms of relying on yards after the catch. So there's that. Wrap up your tackles on defense. Don't let... You know, it's just the basic fundamentals. It's sad we have to get over, go over to this point. Play your gaps, take the right angles, wrap up your tackles. That's really number two. Execute your fundamentals on defense. 
And number three, attack the O-line weaknesses. They didn't give up a sack against the Lions. For the most part, they held up, what was it, week three against the Panthers. Struggled a little bit in week one. This is an expected unit that was supposed to do things this year. We were talking, oh, Aziz is going to do this, and Kayvon's going to do this, and Dexter and Leo are going to do this. Dex is doing his job. Leo's coming more onto the scene. Aziz and Kayvon, this is your game. This is your game. Stone Forsyth, he's not like he's some elite tackle in this league. He's not Jason Peters. Jake Curran's not Lane Johnson. So you know what? And even then, you're supposed to put up a fight because Kayvon was five and Aziz was 50. So there's that. Um, we'll see if I miss anything in the comments section. Gino doesn't utilize DK enough. He's their lead receiver right now, but the leader in touchdowns is um, it is uh, Tyler Lockett. But he he uses a, a lot of different receivers. But if the Giants leave DK wide open or if they're not covering him well, I think Gino's going to see. I think he's smart enough. Um, you never see a guy who's been as bad as Gino Smith for almost 10 years, then all of a sudden he's great. I think we should beat him, use Ballinger, Hodgins, Slayton. Yeah, we got multiple options, but again, it's all about execution. So, my score prediction, 24-20 Giants. 24-20 Giants. I haven't predicted a win in two weeks. I said we lose the 49ers. I said we lose the Cowboys. But I'm going to go Giants 24-20. Now, this is part of my final thoughts. I will say, like I said in the beginning, if the Giants don't win this game, the season is over. Because the team morale will not be up to the point to where you win two games before the road trip. And I'm not talking the road trip coming up. I'm talking about the road trip afterwards. Like, you play the two teams in the AFC East. Then you're at home versus the Commanders and the Jets. Let's say you win those two games and you're what? Three and five? Yeah, I think you would be three and five. Or three and six. I think you'd be three and six at that point. Whatever the record is, three, five, three, and six. One loss doesn't really make a difference in team morale. It can, but for this scenario, it doesn't. And then you go on the road, the Raiders, the Cowboys, and Washington. Even if you win two out of those three games, which is, you know, a very tough task considering and you're on the road, I mean, the team morale's not going to be there. The defensive effort's not going to be there. And you know what? Something that we may have to get into at some point if the Giants are bad enough is – Who's going at the deadline? Adoree's not going to be here next year. Leo's not going to be here next year. In terms of contracts, they may get re-signed. We don't know. But that's a conversation that will be had in the Giants organization if they don't win this game. And you don't want to really prompt it at that point because you can have your two wins and your two losses with Monday, right? Let's just say they win. Whatever, two losses against Miami and Buffalo. Not great. You move on. You beat the Commanders. And you beat um, the Jets. And then you go on the road versus the Raiders. Say that's a win. You lose against the Cowboys. You say it's a win against the Commanders again. And then you're at the Patriots at home. By week 13, that should put you, I don't know, six or seven wins. I might be forgetting opponent. But we can't even talk about the future weeks if we don't take care of our business right now. So I appreciate you guys sticking in chat. Let's see what else we got in the chat. Options are there. Uh, but DJ has to make the reads. And that's my concern. Again. If the All-22 shows up on Tuesday and he's not making those throws and he's got ample time, I'm not going to be happy. But um, we appreciate you guys sticking in the chat. Like, comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or drops. Just some updates for you all in terms of the channel. Also, share us out 
and Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Um, tomorrow morning, we've got the Rise and Rush podcast at 9.30. So if you're looking for fantasy advice, we're doing three game previews every single week. Next week, we won't, but I'll explain that further uh, on another day. Um, we do one game preview for John, one game preview for me, one game preview for Luca. That's not New York related. That just seems very appealing to us. Like tomorrow, I know I'm doing the Buck Saints game because that's a, a Jameis Winston uh, type of uh, revenge game, if you will. And then also at nighttime, we'll be doing the Chiefs Jets game. And then Monday night, we'll be doing the Giants Seahawks game. So tune in for that. And then a podcast on Tuesday. So we're keeping you up with this Giants coverage. Like, comment, subscribe, build the good stuff. Seeky code, Big Blue in the Bronx for $20 off your order. I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I'll see you tomorrow morning. But if I don't see you at all, let's go, Big Blue. Peace out, everyone. (laughs) 